Uh, since we've been in this building, we've had two different uh, folks now come through that from my time at the ranch uh, that worked with the deaf. Uh, some of you, I don't know, it was, a, it was a Wednesday night, Dave Peach came by uh, a while back as well. And uh, he's working in, in missions as well with the mission board in East Tennessee. Uh, but it's neat. It's neat to see uh, people that you haven't seen in a while. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to start today. Romans chapter 8. Continue to pray for those who are out today. Uh, Renee and the kids are traveling, or will be traveling again soon. They were, they were visiting family in Virginia, and uh, then we've got a number of people just not feeling well today, and uh, hate to see that, but uh, also be praying for Kim. Kim, in the next four weeks, Kim will be out. Uh, she has to work on Sundays for the next four weeks, and uh, she's been able to hold off to this point, but uh, finally got thrown in the rotation uh, for the weekend shifts. And uh, so she'll be back in four weeks. So she'll be here on Wednesday night still, but uh, uh, she'll be out for the next four Sundays uh, there. And uh, so we'll be thinking of her as well. Miss Diane, she'll be traveling back in um, as well. She's been out of town uh, also. <clears throat> so we're going to, I was trying to decide if I wanted to continue on with our Who is God series. And I decided to, today not to do that. We're going to transition uh, next week into missions and talking about missions over the next six weeks really but today I want to just uh, I guess in some ways random no no particular reason other than it's what the Lord sent us to today uh, we're going to talk about being on God's side being on God's side or God's team or uh, however you want to word it that's what we're talking about today in Romans 8 look in verse 31 Romans 8 verse 31 the Bible says what shall we say uh, what shall we then say to these things if God before us, who can be against us? It's, this is an encouraging verse. This is a verse that can jump out uh, to me on any given day that reminds me, hey, this is good. I like this. This is something very positive that we read here with this question that's given to us in verse 31. If God before us, who can be against us? My first thoughts go to Joshua in chapter 24 and verse 15 when Joshua asks the question or says, choose ye this day. You've got to pick. Which side are you going to be on? He says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. But, but you've got to make the choice of which side you're going to be on. Oftentimes, we, uh, after salvation, once we are Christians, um, we forget that we still have to choose which side we're going to be on. It, we, have, we are a child of God, yes. So we are a part of God's family, yes, if we're saved. But we still have to make a daily decision. Am I going to do things God's way or not? And I want to look at three things this morning of why we should desire, why we should want to be on God's uh, side. We'll look at these things this morning, and then we'll, then we'll break for lunch. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. Uh, these are not going to be new thoughts, but I pray that you would challenge us with your word. I pray that you would help me to present your word clearly and correctly. And God, may we grow closer to you because of it, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God's side, God's team. I, I, you know I like sports. Uh, I like to watch sports. This week was the uh, NBA draft, basketball draft. And uh, that's not a great, uh, an exciting event to watch on television necessarily. But I like to, to see who gets drafted, where the guys 
that I that I know and I'm interested in what teams they go to. How do they fit with those teams? Uh, are they going to help those teams win, or are they just going to continue to lose, uh, even though they got these guys and and uh, all those kinds of things? I, I like to watch that the uh, football. You know, I enjoy football. Football season's almost here. I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, and I like to watch the new guys that get added onto my team. How are they going to help? The guys we got rid of, finally they're gone, or, oh, I can't believe they got rid of those guys. Um, and, and try to figure out who's going to be on my side. Who, who am I going to be cheering for uh, going into the, to the season? And, and, and how is it going to turn out, at least uh, at this point, how do I feel like it's going to turn out in those sorts of things? You see, God here tells us, and the question is asked in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Meaning... If God's on my side, or if better fit, if I'm on God's side, then who can beat me? Who can come against me? Who can, who can uh, gain an advantage on me if I'm with God? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. But I want us to see three things. Why we should choose to be on God's side. Number one, because God's team always wins. Number one, because God's team always wins. I don't know about you, but I do not like to lose. My kids hate losing so much, they, they oftentimes will refuse to play something they know they can't win. Um, we used to have a Wii, it, it is busted now, but we used to have one of the Wiis in Mario Kart. And uh, Camden, the younger son, uh, got really good at Mario Kart. And so my older son, Brett, would not play Mario Kart with Camden because he could not win. Uh, there are other games that Brett, because of his size advantage over Camden, Camden can't beat him in. And Camden doesn't want to play those games because he can't win. Why even play if I can't win? Of course, the answer is, well, you've got to practice. You've got to get better. Someday you might be bigger than your brother or faster or whatever it may be. So you've got to keep trying. Um, with Mario Kart, um, you're going to be driving on the road someday. You need practice. Keep, keep practicing. Um, whatever it may be. But... When it comes to, to picking a side, and, and you know, if we were to truly think about this every morning, which side am I going to be on today? I believe every morning we would say, I'm going to be on God's side today. The problem is, is oftentimes we don't ask ourselves in the morning, what side am I going to be on today? And we go out and we live our life and we do things that God's not pleased with. We react in ways God's not pleased with and we show ourselves to not be on God's side. But when we are on God's side, we can understand we can always win. I want us to look at a few passages this morning. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. A good reminder that when you're on God's side, uh, you win. And again, we know this. Just because we win doesn't mean it's, it's not hard, right? Um, I don't like to watch uh, ball games when they're not close. It's not, it's not really that fun. Now, if my team's winning and they're blowing out the other team, I can live with it. But, uh, but ultimately, it's fun to watch competition that is close and, and it comes down to the, the last second. Though That's exciting and fun. So it's not to say that it's not going to be hard to get the victory, but we know that victory comes when we're on God's side. Exodus 14, look in verse 26. Exodus 14, starting in verse 26, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to, its, to his strength when the morning appeared. 
And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of the Pharaoh and uh, that, that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Victory comes when we're on God's side. <clears throat> one of the most <coughs> excuse me, one of the most incredible stories in the Bible, as we see the Israelites exiting out of Egypt, <clears throat> coming to the Red Sea, appearing to be trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. And God tells Moses, and Moses stretched out his, his arms and his staff, and the Red Sea splits. <clears throat> and the Israelites walk through the Red Sea on dry land. And they get through the other end, and the army by that time had come in uh, through into the Red Sea, chasing after the Israelites. And God tells Moses, stretch your arm out again, and he did. And the sea collapses on the, uh, the Egyptians. And the Bible tells us in verse 29 that there remain not so much as one of them. One of the things I like about victory with God is the utter annihilation of the enemy. There are so many things that we have to deal with <clears throat> that God says, I can give you victory in, and I can annihilate, I can destroy, I can get rid of that enemy that's fighting against you. We know it reading through the Bible that in the, at the end of it all, Satan, the ultimate tempter, will be done with, gone with. For now, he is still uh, uh, seeking about whom he may devour. But God says, I can give you victory, ultimate victory. And here we see uh, in the Red Sea a great illustration of that victory for, for the Israelites. Who were the Israelites? They were God's people. The Israelites uh, still to this day are uh, God's people. And then included in that now is the family that God has adopted in. As we read in the New Testament uh, where they begin to go to the Gentiles and share the gospel with the Gentiles and seeing Gentiles saved as well and welcomed into the family of God. We do not replace the Israelites. Uh, we do not replace Israel as God's chosen people. Uh, but we see here in this illustration people who were on God's side. They were victorious. They won because God's team always wins. Turn to Esther chapter 3. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, stories. Another one of my favorites. I've got too many of them. Um, <clears throat> Esther chapter 3. Come on. Here we see uh, Haman, who was a hater of the Jews, plain and simple. Uh, this happened long before Germany uh, began to hate the Jews. There was a lot of this going on many times throughout history. But in Esther chapter 3, look in verse number 8. It says, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep thee the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 uh, talents of silver to the hands of those that have charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. 
And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it into Haman, the son of uh, somebody, uh, the Jews' enemy. Verse 11, The king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Uh, it goes into talking about the laws going into action. Haman here uh, trying to get the king to, uh, uh, to, to get rid of uh, the Jews, verse 13, it says, The letters were sent by the post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women. In one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against the day. So it goes out and he says, on this day, at this time, this one day, we are going to eradicate the Jews. That's what Haman's obvious goal was. Look down in chapter number 7. This is the plan of Haman. Now in chapter 7 it says, So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the, the queen. Esther was a Jew. I think we know this, but if you didn't, Esther is a Jew. She's of this people. She's the queen of the king. Haman had, had really deceived and tricked uh, the king into this decree. But now Esther obviously very concerned about this, and you can read through that in the, the previous chapters. But look in verse 2, And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we have been uh, sold for bondmen and bondwoman, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he, that durst presume in, this, in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is the wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen, and the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the place of uh, the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the palace of the banquet of wine, the place, excuse me, of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, uh, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, whom had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. The people with whom that are on God's side are on a team that always wins. You see, Haman had evil planned against Esther and her people, the Jews, God's people. And Haman did what he did, and he, he, he did deceive the king, for as all kings, they are able to be deceived. And Haman had a plan to get rid of not just a people in whom he hated, they were God's people. But God's team always wins. When you find God's people in a, a dire strait, it's because God is punishing them. 
in the sense that uh, when I say that, I don't want to get, have that get lost in what I'm saying. As we read throughout the Old Testament, we've studied through Judges, and we've seen God's people come into captivity and being uh, ruled over. Why was that? It's because God said, you need to repent, you need to turn from this, and they refused to, and so God put them into that place. But God also said, as we read through Judges and we studied through Judges, that I'm going to bring you, deliver you out of this, and those who wronged you, even though God allowed them to, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to destroy them. And God did that over and over again. Haman said, I'm going to go against God. I'm not on God's side. And he failed to realize that God's side always wins. And here we see the great irony of Haman being hung on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. Uh, another Jew and whom he hated. We can look at many other examples in the Bible today for sake of time. We won't turn there, but you look at Daniel. Daniel had those who sought to destroy him. So they made a law. They just didn't deceive the king. They made a law that you couldn't pray. What did Daniel do? He still prayed. Why? Because Daniel said, I'm going to be on God's side no matter what. They threw Daniel into the lion's den. What happened? The lion's mouths were shut. They didn't eat Daniel. I don't know if he pet them. I don't know if they cuddled up to them. I don't know. That. That's what we always assume. I don't know if that's the case or not, but they didn't eat them. They didn't hurt them. They pulled Daniel out of the lion's den and they threw the other guys in. And the lions all of a sudden were hungry again. God's team always wins. Look at Gideon and his small army. The army that got whittled down. God's team always wins. You look at David versus Goliath. David, this, this young man, Obviously, at this point, he was not a soldier. Um, he, was, he was probably trained to some degree, but he was not, not in the army. His brothers were. He was there to visit them. He heard Goliath talk, and he said, hey, what's going on here? Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Uh, you know, have you ever been somewhere where people aren't supposed to be talking, and they are talking, and you think, why isn't anybody telling that person to be quiet? Um, <laughs> that's that's kind of what Daniel, or David was doing. And he said, why isn't anybody making this guy stop talking? And uh, some of you are thinking the library. I just thought of that. It wasn't the library. It's not what I was having in my mind. But nonetheless, uh, uh, you know, why is he talking? And uh, David says, somebody needs to do something. And they know everybody is cowering. They're afraid to. David finally says, well, I'm on God's side. <clears throat> God's with me on my side. God's team always wins. He walks out there. Goliath continues to talk. And David returned some, <clears throat> some wonderful uh, uh, responses back to him, but ultimately it was, and I'm paraphrasing, God's going to make you pay. God's not going to let you win. David went into the battle with Goliath and he was victorious. Why? Because God's team always wins. Always. Why should we be on God's side? Why should I wake up every morning and say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to live this day the way that God wants me to live it because God's team always wins. Why would I want to be on the other team? Why would I want to be on the team of, of culture or society when I know that God's team always wins? Well, Pastor, <clears throat> you have to understand that for many generations, the Christians have been very rude and mean to people in society. And society has changed and we the church needs to change with it. Okay, I'll admit there are churches who have made mistakes in the past, many of them. But that doesn't give us uh, the, the, the right and it surely should not uh, tell us to go the way with society because as you look at society over the years, you'll see it constantly failing and falling, constantly losing. 
God's team always wins. I shouldn't go the way of the world. I should go the way of God. Well, my friend does this, and, and, and he said I should do this, or she said I should do this. Okay, well, is it what God wants you to do? Well, they found success in this. I heard commercials on the radio. This, this, this new book that's coming out. And uh, for years, he's not been able to write this book because uh, uh, the, the businesses in whom he, he counseled with, uh, they, they had it where he was not allowed to print this material of how to be so successful in business. But finally, now he can print this book, and he's no longer under legal obligation to not so. Now you can read this book, and you can find out how to become a multimillionaire in just a matter of months. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I doubt it's true. I doubt it will work for you. But if you want to read the book, by all means, go for it. What, what am I trying to accomplish? Well, I'm going to go the way of the world and be on the world's team just until I get enough money so that I can then help God's team. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. I have friends who, when I was in college, said, I'm going to go out and work in the business world and I'm going to become very wealthy and I'm going to give all this money to missionaries and I'm going to help build buildings overseas and do these different things. And today they are literally smoking pot in Colorado. You see, the problem is, is the decision wasn't made. I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. I'm just going to be on His team and, and be a part of His team and fulfill the role that He has for me on His team. And we say, well, I'm going to do these other things. Well, you have to understand that God's team always wins. So that's the team we should choose to be on, but you have to do it on a daily basis. Number two, number one, why should I be on God's team? Because God's team always wins. Number two, because God's ways always work. Because God's ways always work. Um, I've not had the privilege of being on too many organized sports teams, but I know enough about sports to know that there are coaching styles and, and methods that work, and there are other ones that don't work. You want to know which ones it is? Find the ones that have had their job for a while. And the ones that are looking for a job, those are the ones that don't work. And uh, God's ways always work. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter uh, 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. You know this story. It's Elijah. I love this story. We looked at it 4th of July last year. Um, I love this story. Uh, Elijah uh, here in the Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 starting in verse 26. And when they took the bullocks, this is the prophets of Baal, when they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, and there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Now, they had a certain time in which this was supposed to, to take place, and they had spent all day <coughs> calling, crying, cutting themselves, uh, jumping, all these sorts of things to try to get Baal's attention to, 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 to light a fire for this, burning, for this burnt sacrifice. 
Now jump over to verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering. Now listen, the prophets of Baal worked all day. Now we're at the time, verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, and that I am Thy servant, and that I have done all these things at Thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, that Thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they, they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. God's way always works. Why should I be on God's side? Why should I do things the way that God wants me to do them? Because it works. It works in homes, God's way does. It works in marriages. I've counseled with people before and I've told them in their marriage, people who, who aren't regular church attenders. Um, in the cases, these were one spouse uh, claimed to be a Christian and the other did not, but I explained to them before I even began counseling them, I'm going to counsel you from the Bible. The Bible gives us how to have a, a, a successful marriage. And the things that I'm going to talk to you about are going to be straight from the Bible. And if you don't follow them, then there's very little help that I can give you. Why? Because God's way always works. God says there's a role for the husband, there's a role for the wife, there's a role for the child. There's a role for an employer. There's a role for an employee. God has designed, biblically, He's given us through the Bible, He's designed ways for us to live successful lives. And that means different things to different people. It means one thing to God. In order to be successful, we're, we're following and doing what God wants us to do. And God says, I have a way for that to work for you, but you just got to follow it. You got to choose which side you're going to be on. Well, this book said that I'm supposed to do this. Well, God said that you're supposed to do this. This book says that I shouldn't give to any charities. Church is not a charity, but oftentimes when people say that, that's what they're talking about. I shouldn't give to any charities. I should save my money. Well, God says you should give. I believe at a minimum 10%. You should give. Well, if I want to be successful, I have to follow this, this, this method. No, if you want to be successful, you need to follow... God's method. Why? Because God's ways always work. Again, I was raised under the teaching that uh, you can't afford not to give. That as long as you're giving, you'll always have to give. That you must be faithful to follow what God's told you to do and forget what everybody else... It doesn't make sense to the world. God says He uses the foolishness to confound the wise. The, the world's not going to understand tithing. They're not. They're not going to understand missions giving. They're not going to understand those things. But God says it works. My way works, so do it. God's way works in the home. It works in marriages. It works at work. It works at church to do things the way God wants you to do it. It's sad today to see churches say, well, we need to do this. Why? Because of culture. Uh, it bugs me and it hurts me when I hear that. Um, I understand cultural um, normalcies to the, to the event of, you know, I've talked with many missionaries uh, 
I don't expect a missionary in a place where people don't dress the way Americans dress to dress like an American all the time. I don't don't think that's wise. Um, But I do think they should pray about it. Before we just make the decision, we should pray about it. Uh, you know, you've heard, I've, I've, I've heard missionaries say, I assume we all have, um, you know, and uh, I wear this garment in India. I wear this garment because it's what the people in India wear. It's modest. It's appropriate. Um, and so they wear it. It makes sense. Yes, it does. But what I also hate to hear is when people say, well, we do this music on the mission field or in America. We do this music because it's what culture expects. Oh, wait a second. I'm not necessarily saying that it's wrong, but have you asked God about it? Does God want you to have that in your church? Um, We should never do anything just because society tells us to or because we think society expects it. We should do what we do because God tells us to. I can come to the conclusion that, that there's music that's okay for people to have in their church that we don't use. But if we haven't prayed about it, how are we supposed to know? We've got to do things God's way. Don't do things society's way, culture's way, um, history's way. Do things God's way. Very simple. Number one, why should we be on God's side? Because God's team always wins. Number two, because God's ways always work. And number three, because God's side has God. It's pretty simple. All of it is. We read in Romans 8, uh, 31, if God be for us, then who can be against us? It doesn't matter who my enemy is if I have God uh, on my team or if I'm on God's team. I'm not trying to belittle God in this, and I hope I'm not. But when I'm doing things the way God wants me to do it, there's, there's no one who can come against me because I have God to protect me. It's like the, the little kid uh, uh, who's being picked on by his friends and then his dad shows up. And those kids are like, oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't take him. And I'll leave you alone. As long as dad's with me, nobody can be against me. As long as God's with me, it doesn't matter who tries to come against me because I got God on my side. Um, when I was a kid, we went to the father-son retreat at the ranch. Um, and uh, I mean, I lived there, so it didn't, didn't take us long to get there. But uh, uh, we had a group from our church would come. And we would had as many as 100 people come from our church of dads, grandfathers, uh, sons, grandsons, uh, some guys in the church who didn't have kids would bring a bus kid, things like that, and just, just come. And uh, every year, we played two games, and uh, now they still play one of them. One of them is battle ball, like dodgeball. The other one was capture the flag. They got rid of it because it got a little too intense. But uh, we had a guy that came with us from our church. He was uh, in the, the National Guard. His name was Lou Kennerdine. And uh, Lou uh, and his family had three boys uh, we were friends with, and they lived down the road from the ranch, and we went to the same church and all this. We, I love the Kinderdines. Um, Lou, uh, he, was a, he was a big guy. He wasn't fat, but he was a big guy. And uh, we used to, now they use the really soft uh, balls to throw at each other in, in, the, in the battle ball. But back then it was the, the rubber kickballs, right? And uh, Lou would throw these, these balls, and, and I promise you, I'm not lying or exaggerating, you would hear it whistling when he threw it. And so this ball would float through the air like this. You could watch it bounce in the air. And it would be whistling. Poink! Off of some kid's head. <laughs> he goes flying. I saw kids literally come off their feet uh, when, when Lou threw the ball. Um, and, and we always felt like, okay, we need somebody like that on our team. Right? 
If you're, if you're doing tug of war, you find the one person in the crowd you want on your team. We all know this. This is not, this is not new to us. You've got to find the biggest person that's the hardest to move, and you stick them on the back of the rope, and you want them on your team. Right? If you got that person, you got the best chance. Well, isn't it amazing that we have the opportunity to be on the same team as the creator of the universe, and yet there are days that we choose not to be on their team? Why do I want to be on God's side? Well, because God's side has God. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 5, it's quoting in, from Deuteronomy, but it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God says, I'm not going to go away from you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm always here. You think of the disciples in the storm. They're on the boat. And Christ is, is down in the, the, the belly of the ship sleeping. And the disciples are scared to death of this storm. But they've got God with them. And they eventually go to Him and Jesus comes up and He says, Peace be still. And the, the storm stops, ceases. Jonah in the belly of the whale, He was there on His own doing. But Jonah in the belly of the whale had God with Him, did He not? Because He cried out to God and God answered. And when He finally said, Alright, I'll be on your team. God God says, all right. And the whale came to shore, spit him out. Paul and Silas in prison. I've never been in prison. I don't think I've been too close to being in prison. I got to ride in a cop car once, but I told you that story before. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Paul and Silas in prison, from what I understand in most prisons, it's, it's, it really isn't an enjoyable experience. They may be nicer now than they have been in the past, but... But in this time, especially a dungeon uh, setting and, and shackled at the feet and at the hands and a time that you would think was low and, and lonely and, and scary, Paul and Silas are singing in the prison. Why? Because they're on God's side. There's not the fear there. There's not the concern there that there could be because they've got God with them. So much so that there's an earthquake that God causes and it loosens the shackles and they're free. Why would I want to be on God's side? Well, because God's side has God. The Creator, the Savior, the one who knows everything, the one who is everywhere. It seems like a side that I want to be on. Yet, regularly do we not live our lives, live our days not being on God's side. We choose to follow another side, another team to go with. I know there's nothing new said today, but I'll tell you this. I hope that today you're on God's side. I hope that tomorrow you'll be on God's side. I hope that you'll understand the importance of, of, of doing things God's ways, the ways that God says, hey, this works. I'm telling you. We read through it entirely throughout the Old Testament where He's constantly telling Israel, do this and you'll succeed. You'll be blessed. You'll have everything. And they go, eh. No, we're going to keep our idols. And we look at them and we go, you foolish people, why would you do that? And yet, the Bible tells us, follow God, do what God says to do and you'll be blessed. Blessed is the man. And we go, eh, eh, I don't know, I think I might be able to pull in a few extra dollars. I think I might have more fun. 
I think I might, I might laugh a little more. I think I might whatever, and we say, thanks God, but I think I'm going to choose this team. And then when the kickball hits us in the face, we go, that wasn't fun. If God be for us, who can be against us? Why would you want to be on God's side? Why should we be on God's side? God's team always wins. I like to win. That's a good reason. God's ways always work. I like to be successful. That's a good reason. God's side has God. Wait, the creator of the universe? Savior of the world? Sounds like a good guy to have on my side. Again, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful or irreverent in using the terms I've used today, and I pray that I haven't been. But as Joshua said, choose ye this day. What side are you going to be on? It's more than just salvation. It's more than just, than, than just having God as your Savior. It goes past that. It's the relationship. It's the daily decisions that I make. How I'm going to live this day. The attitude and the actions in with which I'm going to live this day. Are they going to be the way God wants? Are they going to be the way someone else wants? Myself or someone else? Choose God's side. Lord, I thank you. There are times maybe as a kid where we didn't get picked on the team we wanted to get picked on. Maybe we were left without a team. Lord, I'm thankful that you give us the choice to choose you, to choose to live the way you want us to live, to follow you. I'm glad you don't force it upon us. But Lord, you simply just say, I'm here, I'm ready just waiting for you. God, I pray that today and tomorrow and each day we would choose to do the things that you desire for us to do. Lord, we've seen example after example and we could see many more in the Bible of your, your side, your team, so to say, winning. We read even to the end of the, the Bible where we see you are victorious. God, help us to not lose anymore. Help us to pick your, your side. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that your way is perfect. That your ways that you've set up for our lives will, will bring us the most success we can find in this world. Lord, would you help us to, to understand that not every greener pasture is truly greener. God, just to follow you because your way works. Lord, I pray for this church that we would never stray away from what you desire for us to do. We would never seek outside influences to determine how we do church, but Lord, that we just follow you. And Lord, as we've been looking over the past number of, of weeks about who you are, God, may it encourage us and remind us when we wake up in the morning and we're deciding what we're going to do this day, Lord, that we want to be on the same side as you because of who you are. God, forgive us for our failures. Lord, forgive us for our selfishness and our pride. Lord, help us and mold us to be people who love you, desire you, and follow you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone today that, has, uh, been, uh, that you've spoken to about areas in their lives that are not following you, I pray that they would, would make that change that needs to be made today and follow you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us each and every day to do what we ought and to trust you. Lord, we, we want to be on your side. Lord, we just need your help. 
uh, and the temptations and the, the daily struggles that we face. So help us, Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll trust you. We'll follow you. And God, we will praise you for all your help along the way. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. We'll go ahead and be dismissed this morning. We'll get set up for lunch. Um, we have lunch, by the way, if you guys didn't know that. 